Welcome to another edition of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP number 108. It's good to be back. I'm Dorian, and on today's podcast, we play at the ball on Major League Baseball's opening day. Love the Los Angeles Dodgers re-signing Andrew Tolles. Try on the Atlanta Braves' new City Connect uniform. And special guest, Dr. Joe Pritchett, Director of Faith and Meaning at Franklin and Marshall College, talks with us about the Boston Red Sox and the ineffable experiences of baseball and religion. But first, I'm going to try to explain to you how delicious and unique this beer that I'm holding in my hand. It's called Puff from Commonwealth Brewing Company in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Puff is a smoked wheat, good old ski style ale. I am terrible with Eastern European languages. I'm, I think that may be a Polish word. Grod Ziski, G-R-O-D-Z-I-S-K-I-E, puff. The first taste of this beer, which, as you can imagine, I started drinking before I started recording. It's super smoky. It's as if you're out in the Everglades, you're out in the woods, you're out in your backyard, maybe. You go to a tree, you, t- you just tear some bark off with your hand because you're manly. You bring it back, you dunk it in some water, you boil it. And then when that water cools off, you drink that boiled, dissolved bark. Just like that, in a few seconds, you're going to have some hair appear on your chest. Or maybe if you're hairy, even more hair. <laughs> maybe the hair starts growing on your elbows. Ladies and gentlemen, this puff from Commonwealth Brewing Company, is probably the most masculine beer I've ever had. It's taste delicious, and I'm going to endeavor to get more of this. It's that good. The color is, it's, it's light in color, but I'm telling you, it packs a punch, and it just, it tastes, I, I don't know, it tastes awesome. Uh, it, this is definitely one of my top three, top five beers. And no, I can't tell you my, what my other top four or five beers that I've had in this podcast, but this is definitely up there. Absolutely. I'm going to have a drink. And I think I just saw some hair sprouting out of my elbow, but we're not, I'm going to talk. I'm not, I'm not going to talk too much about that. But you know what else is a very manly thing to do besides drink good American beer and support good American local breweries? You take a piece of wood. And you just start hitting things. <laughs> what has been going on in the world of baseball when you take a piece of wood and you hit a ball? <laughs> well, number one, and most importantly, Team Japan, Samurai Japan, won the World Baseball Classic. They beat Team USA 3-2 to two in Miami, and they won the championship. Shohei Otani was named Most Valuable Player. I cannot wait the next iteration of the World Baseball Classic in 2026. I'm absolutely going to get tickets and going to go to the next pool in Miami. The pool, the group, whatever. Whoever ends up playing in Miami in 2026. We don't know yet. And I I highly suggest that you, my friend, also set set aside some vacation time, a little bit of money for 2026. Planning ahead is always a good thing. To get your booty 
to watch some World Baseball Classic games, whether you're in Asia, because they don't know yet where they're going to play, but I'm pretty sure they're going to play again, probably in Seoul, South Korea, Tokyo, Japan, maybe Taiwan. And in the U.S., there's probably going to be, I'm thinking L.A., maybe Phoenix, definitely Miami. Get your get your booty to a World Baseball Classic game in 2026. It's go, it is bonkers that the energy, the fans, the level of intense competition this tournament starts and is played throughout march would you rather watch a spring training game in the middle of nowhere arizona or some of the best players in the world competing for the world baseball classic championship i know my answer i am team wbc all the way all the way baby what else is going on in the world of taking some wood and hitting things baseball play ball Everyone loves that. It's opening day. Everyone's excited. All the teams have now started playing. And that made me think, where in the world did that expression come from, play ball? And apparently, I did a little bit of digging. Well, not really me. It was the HBP bullpen, our crack research assistants here. The expression was first recorded in the European Middle Ages. And it was recorded as play at the ball. And through the centuries, it's been trimmed and changed from play at the ball to play at ball, and then finally, I think it was towards the end of the 19th century, it was just play ball, which the, uni- the uniform, <laughs> the umpire, see this, this puff, puff bark, puff beer is already hitting me. I'm going to have a drink. And how are we going to play ball? You know, like everyone else, you can go on websites, you can go to YouTube, you can go to other podcasts, and uh, just like just like them. I'm going to spend the next 30 minutes sharing with you who's going to win the most valuable player, who's going to be the best mascot in the National League Central Division, who's going to be the rookie of the year in the American League, who's going to win the American League Divisional Series, how many beers are you going to drink at the game that you go to at the end of June? (laughs) Why don't you just get to the funny stuff? I think that's a good suggestion. I am not going to be telling you all my predictions of whatever. Those are my predictions. You have your predictions. I want to have fun. One of the things I was thinking, tying in the, the World Baseball Classic with the with going to the baseball games, I'm excited because, like, how do we keep the excitement of the World Baseball Classic in Major League Baseball? I don't think that we can actually do that. It's just a different structure of how the stadiums are handled and operated as opposed to the world baseball classic where the fans bring that energy and stuff i I don't know but nevertheless i'm still going to go to games how how many games i'm not sure i'm going to ask you what's your prediction for how many games you're going to attend in person i know that i'm planning on seeing the atlanta braves go up and down the east coast whether it's like new york miami the Washington, D.C. area, whatever. Also, I'd love to go see the Braves out on the West Coast. How many Braves games am I going to go to this year? I have no idea. But I'm also, I'm excited to go. I'm, I'm definitely going to go see the Baby Birds in Baltimore. With The Baltimore Orioles have a disgusting, amazing minor league team. Minor league, excuse me, organization. I I want to go see multiple games with Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez when he finally comes up. Grayson Rodriguez is the number one prospect pitcher in all of minor league baseball. 
the Baltimore Orioles are going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs out of that super tough American League East division, but man, they're going to be so much fun to watch. I also am still planning on seeing more minor league games in Florida, maybe South Carolina, maybe somewhere else in the South. I don't know. I, I love just organized baseball. I still am planning on going to see college baseball. I'd love to see the LSU Tigers. Some of you may, may remember I had Jamie Tutko, who was, who was with the LSU Tigers college baseball program on this podcast a few months ago. I'd love to go see some of uh, at least one of their games. I want to go see a Florida International University college baseball game in Miami, a University of Miami college baseball game, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you, along with the, whatever games you're going to watch, you can also see the drink, this manly drink I have in my hands on our social media accounts. On Instagram, we're at Hipster Baseball Podcast. And on Twitter, we're at HBP4040. I want to talk about, I'm going to share with you something that I shared back in episode 69 and now we're in whoa, 108 excuse me we're at episode 108 that's that's pretty i think it's pretty cool but back in episode 69 I, I shared with you a little story about andrew tolls the los angeles dodgers have re-signed andrew tolls for the fifth consecutive year look andrew tolls is not going to be on any of your fantasy baseball leagues He's not going to be on a baseball card that you order online or go to a, your local big box store. And Andrew Tolles is not going to be talked about on MLB Network, ESPN, CBS, etc., Fox. That's because Andrew Tolles hasn't played organized baseball since 2018. Nevertheless, the Dodgers continuously re-sign Andrew Tolles to a one-year contract every single year since 2018 so that Andrew Tolles can have access to health and mental health insurance. Health insurance and mental health services, excuse me. About five years ago, Andrew Tolles was diagnosed with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. Those of you who may or may not know, schizophrenia is a disorder and it, it affects your ability to think, feel, behave clearly, when you have schizophrenia, you withdraw from people, from society, and about it's estimated that about 2 million people in the U.S. suffer from schizophrenia, and one in every 300 people in the world have schizophrenia. And if you have a bi and he also has bipolar disorder, which is having intense mood swings. Andrew Tolles used to be a really good young baseball players, player with the LA Dodgers system. He, in 2016, he played in the playoffs with them. He hit 364. But again, he hasn't played for the, for the Braves, I was going to say. Excuse me, the LA Dodgers since 2018. I find it incredible that the Dodgers are such a classy organization that they have given Andrew Tolles a contract for five consecutive years paying tolls a grand total of no dollars, zero dollars. But with that employment contract, tolls is eligible for health insurance and mental health services, which he, Andrew, really needs. Because like I said, he has these mental issues and it's negatively affected his family. You can imagine if you suffer or if someone in your friend circle, your family, someone that you went to school with, you go to your organized services for with, it's horrible. And 
it, and I think I had mentioned this back in episode 69 is I find it incredible that think of your company, whether you own your company, whether you work for a company, if someone comes down with a horrific illness, like let's say cancer or a mental illness, eventually if it gets so bad, that person has to withdraw and resign or they have to leave the company. And then here in the U.S., it's kind of like, well, good luck. You'll have to buy your insurance somewhere else. But we're praying for you, brother. We'll send you cakes and I'll send you an occasional text messages. But we're sure as we as the company, we're not going to do anything about you for your mental health or your you know fight with the cancer. But good luck. But the Dodgers is like, no, 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 no. Like, we're, we're not going to pay you anything, like salary-wise, but you're still eligible to be on our health insurance. And I that in itself is amazing. The Dodgers are not legally obligated to do this. They do this because they want to, not because they have to. That is a sign of class, people. Hats off to the LA Dodgers for doing this. And Andrew Tolles is not an, he's not an old man. He's 30 years old, and he's been battling this for all of his life, basically. Andrew Tolles is probably never going to play organized baseball again. But the whole point is to help him stabilize him and get the proper treatment where he can reintegrate back with his family, with society, with his social circles, etc. And be just a normal dude who happens who happened to have had tremendous athletic ability. But again, as long as I have this podcast, I'm always going to be talking about Andrew Tolles, the LA Dodgers, and their beautiful relationship. I I love it. Absolutely class, class act by the LA Dodgers. I raise my beer. I raise everything. And and, uh, fantastic. I I, I can't say enough good things about that. And we wish Andrew Tolles the best. And I certainly hope and I expect the LA Dodgers to re-sign Andrew Tolles to yet another contract in 2024, et cetera, et cetera, until he becomes uh, becomes a... Until Andrew Tolles gets... To a better place. I'm going to have a drink. Hold on. You know, it's springtime. We already said baseball has started everywhere. Easter's around the corner. And depending on where you live in the Northern Hemisphere, weather is getting all, it's all wacky. Sometimes it can be nice. You go out for a run. Other days it's rainy. It's too windy. Maybe it's too hot, especially if you live in, you know, places like Arizona or Florida. But we need to do better. We need to eat better. We all, it doesn't. It doesn't matter the season. We need to eat better. We need to be active. And this is where this week's show sponsor comes in. La Petite Boulangerie. When it comes time for lunch, we have a very fresh idea. Sandwiches made on breads, rolls, and croissants. Fresh from our ovens. More than 40 delicious possibilities. Nothing compares because top to bottom, they're the freshest. From the cafe at La Petite Boulangerie. Your neighborhood bakery visit your local shop in the bay area today i'm gonna do that i'm prob i'm i'm not sure if i'm gonna make it to the bay area this year i'm thinking more of like southern california but if i make it to the bay area i certainly will walk to get some steps in to la petite boulangerie and get some delicious healthy lunch because i love french food i think it's it's absolutely one of my favorite foods it's also not the healthiest because they use so much delicious butter. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because if you walk, you know, you kill it. You're, you're, you're taking out those calories. Definitely. Definitely, definitely going to be going there if I make it out to the Bay Area later this year. And 
I haven't used this segment in a while. Styling and profiling with Ric Flair. Fashion and sports. Ladies and gentlemen, the Nike City Connect uniform is back. If you remember last year, there were about seven teams in Major League Baseball that rolled out these City Connect uniforms. And the whole idea behind them was that it was a way for the franchise to connect with the city and the community they're in. And it was a new uniform. And of course, it, this, isn't, this is entertainment, people. It was another way to create another stream of revenue so that you and I can go out and buy a new jersey, a new hat, what have you. And my favorite team, the Atlanta Braves, on Saturday, April the 8th, playing at home against the San Diego Padres, are finally going to wear their City Connect uniform. But they actually just, the Braves actually unveiled the City Connect uniform a few days ago on social media. And the Braves are going to wear that City Connect uniform on the Saturday, April 8th, and then every single Saturday when they play at home throughout the year. So what's this look like? It's the uniform is white and blue. It's basically an updated look from the same uniform that the Atlanta Braves and Henry Aaron wore back in 1974 when Henry Aaron broke Babe Ruth's all-time home run record. Henry Aaron hit 715 home runs in that season of 1974, breaking the record with Babe Ruth. And it's uh, it's a milestone, obviously, in baseball history. Everyone has seen those that highlight of him running around the bases, getting mobbed, etc. It's basically a white and light blue jersey. Across the chest, it says the, instead of just saying A, it says the A. And inside of the jersey, there's a, the, the inside collar has a 715, 715, which obviously means the 715, 15th home run that Henry Aaron hit to break Babe Ruth's record. They, that game was obviously played in now, no longer around Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. And I think I think towards the bottom of the jersey, there's something that says "Keep Swinging, Keep Swinging," number forty-four, which is obviously another reference, homage, as they would say in La Petite Boulangerie, <laughs> the uh, to Henry Aaron, "Keep Swinging." He his jersey number was forty-four, and the hat of the City Connect uniform for the for the Braves just has the normal A lo- the A logo of Atlanta. I'm not a fan of this uniform, like not even a little bit. I think it's boring, and I think they missed the mark. But before I tell you why, I do want to give a tip of the hat, another classy act here, because a portion of the sales of the City Connect uniform is going to the Henry Louis Aaron Fund, which the Henry Louis Aaron Fund supports minority participation in baseball in the Atlanta and George in the Atlanta area, and I think Georgia as a whole. And to be completely fair, the Braves have done a pretty good job when it comes to funding events and supplies of baseball, of organizing baseball, of participation, etc. in the Atlanta area because let's not be real. I mean, no, let's be real. Baseball is not the most popular sport in America. It's not even the second most popular sport in America. Some can even argue it's not even the third most popular sport in America. So the Braves are actually trying to do something and saying like, look, Baseball isn't the most popular, and baseball is kind of expensive to play in. Let's try to do something about it, especially for people who don't have the means to go buy all the equipment it it, it takes 
to have their young men and uh, young young women as well in softball. Let's not forget that because you know, young girls love baseball just as much as, as young boys do. I'm not a fan because of this uniform. Excuse me, not the fund. Well, I'm a big fan of the Harry, Henry Lewis Aaron Fund. The whole idea of the City Connect, like I said earlier, is to see to sh- to show to represent that connection between the city and the Major League Baseball franchise. What does honoring yet again Henry Aaron have anything to do with Atlanta and the Braves? Henry Aaron made his name in Milwaukee. The Braves moved to Atlanta from the Milwaukee Braves to and they became the Atlanta Braves in 1966. By the time Henry Aaron and the and the Milwaukee Braves come to Atlanta, Henry Aaron is already Henry freaking Aaron, one of the best boss best one of the best baseball players in the game, arguably at that time the best whatever. I don't see the connection. The, the Braves also do a good job of honoring the Aaron family and Henry Aaron as a whole. They really do. And I don't know if you're a Braves fan, but if you aren't, just just quickly look it up if you want online and you'll see the Braves do a really good job of keeping his memory alive. They're always inviting his family to events. Uh, Henry Aaron's Harry Henry Aaron's wife spoke at the 2021 championship celebration uh, after they won the World Series. Again, fantastic. I love Henry Aaron. What Braves fan and what baseball fan doesn't? I mean, what Henry Aaron didn't break the 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 color barrier in baseball that was Jackie Robinson, but Henry Aaron was in that just right behind. And I can't imagine what he had to go through. And he needs to rightly and continuously be honored, him and his family. But going back, City Connect, how does this connect Atlanta with the Braves? I'm always hammering (laughs) Henry, hammering Hank, whatever. I'm always pounding the table on teams hiring local artists to design their championship gear when you go to the playoffs, when you win a round, when you win the pennant, if you win the World Series. And things like this platform of the City Connect uniform. You're not telling me there's not creatives in the Bay Area in, in San Francisco? There's not creatives in the South Florida region in Miami or in the Atlanta area or in Chicago? Look, of the, what is it? I think seven or eight teams came out with City Connect uniforms last year. The only three that I liked last year, the Chicago White Sox. That is such a cool uniform. The Kansas City Royals one. Super Art Deco, I love art. And the Houston Astros, it, it, theirs was, I think it was called Space City. It was obviously an, an homage to NASA, 1960s, etc. Really liked it. Those are the only three ones I liked. The other ones last year were either uninspired or straight, as they would say in La Petite Boulangerie. The other ones were straight garbage, okay? The San Francisco Giants last year, you know what their theme was for the City Connect uniform? Fog. It was fog and the Golden Gate Bridge. The people at Nike, they're the ones designing this. The teams are not hiring. They're not commissioning local artists. Those guys in, where the heck is Nike headquartered? I think it's in Oregon, uh, Portland, Oregon, I think. Beaverton, Oregon, excuse me. The the HBP bullpen just sent me, just sent me. They just gave me the the note here. You think those those clowns over at Beaverton, Oregon, are going to care about some connection between San Francisco and the Giants, about Atlanta and the Braves, about Chicago and the Cubs. Oh, my God, that Chicago Cubs uniform was horrific. Blue and then Wrigleyville across the chest. Oh, my God, just 
just terrible. Why not? If you really care about your community, and let's be honest, they don't give a crap. These owners don't care. Hire and recycle money into the community in the artistic community endeavors and hire them to say, look, give us a vision board. Give us colors. Give us palettes. Give us visuals of what a uniform would would have that for you connects the city with the organization. One of America's favorite bands, groups, Outkast. Big Boy from Atlanta. The Braves could have gone to Big Boy and said, what do you think we should do for this uniform? I know Big Boy is a big Braves fan and he would have jumped at the opportunity to do that. I would have loved to have seen Big Boy's interpretation of what the Atlanta Braves City Connect uniform should look like. The Braves could have gone to local Atlanta area artists and commissioned them and said, tell us what you think that this uniform should look like. I'm going to give you three local area, Atlanta area artists that they should have gone to. Not the only ones, but just three. Evan Blackwell, Mark Boomershine, and the one that I would have given the commission to if I owned the Atlanta Braves, George F. Parker III. Parker has amazing murals and visuals Everywhere he would have been, he I think he would have done a tremendous job with this endeavor with this commission. And even if you don't use an artist commission, excuse me, even if you don't use an artist rendition or product, you still pay them. What does it What does it cost to a multi billion dollar enterprise like Major League Baseball to hire local artists across Miami, New York? You know what? I hope Uncle Steve, the Steve Cohen, the, the owner of the New York Mets, listens to this or at least has this idea. He's a very smart man and whole and hires. Stop if you heard this if you've heard this before. There's some pretty talented New York artists. It would kill me if the New York Mets allowed those dum-dums over at Beaverton, Oregon at in, in, in Nike to design his team's connection with Queens, New York. I'm going to get off of this because it just makes, you know what really, you know what really grinds my gears? <laughs> As they say on Family Guy. <laughs> Anyways, back to the Braves in the City Connect uniform. The Braves president and CEO Derek Schiller said, quote, We are thankful to Nike who collaborated with us on the designs as we recognize the impact that Hank continues to have on our organization while also celebrating the role of the Braves in our community, end quote. I love the City Connect uniform idea. I think a lot of them have just botched it. And I'm excited what the Texas Rangers are going to do because they're up next. They're at they're at the bat now. The, the Rangers come out, I think it's April 16th. And there's going to be this season, the Texas Rangers, the Seattle Mariners, the Cincinnati Reds, the Baltimore Orioles, and the Pittsburgh Pirates are all going to be the teams that roll out their City Connect uniforms this year. And then other teams are going to come out in 2024, et cetera, et cetera. And we all know, Baseball is entertainment. Whether you like MMA, whether you like European Champions League soccer, football, the National Football League, you 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 go into a Taylor Swift concert, you go into a go into a Tarantino film. It's all entertainment, and it's all about making money. And the and Major League Baseball's chief revenue officer Noah Garden said, "Quote." Over the course of its first two seasons, the the Nike MLB City Connect series has been the most successful consumer product initiative we've ever had, end quote. 
And you know what that means. They're going to come out with new iterations of the City Connect series because Major League Baseball says, holy schmoly, look at all the money we're making, even though we're putting out a crap product. Let's 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 continue to do this because Noah Garden, you better believe him. He being the chief, the CRO, chief revenue officer, he doesn't want to be the CRO forever. He wants to get bumped up. He wants a promotion. He wants. I'm not saying he's the one driving it, but again, there, there's always initiatives here. He wants to make the league more money. He wants to make more money. He wants to get promoted. The owners want to make more money. They want to get their products onto as many people as possible. Later, Garden went on and said, "Quote." Some teams want to do it again. They can't wait to relaunch. Some were more conservative, and they would love another shot at it, end quote. Obviously, Noah Garden or Major League Baseball and the, the headquarters in New York aren't going to say it, but I'm going to tell you, you better believe the Chicago Cubs, the San Francisco Giants are, are like, yeah, ours were horrible. We got to do this again. <laughs> and there's, there's another revenue for them to say let's do this this is the new city connect series 2.0 for the chicago cubs god that uniform was horrible or or what about what about the la dodgers did you see their city connect uniform from last year it's the same jersey as they always wear the 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 blue the slightly darker blue and it just says los dodgers that was it that was their city connect you're not telling me there aren't a million aspiring artist in in los angeles county <laughs> horrible horrible i'm gonna have a drink because thinking about the city connect uniforms i love talking about them i anticipate them but by now i've learned i'm always gonna be disappointed with the exception of so far chicago white Sox, kansas city royals and the houston astros i'm gonna have a drink right now look it's april baseball's here easter's coming up and I asked myself, how can we tie Easter with baseball and spring? And the answer is, our next guest is going to help us do just that. This week's guest is Dr. Joe Pritchett, the Director of Faith and Meaning at Franklin and Marshall College. Dr. Pritchett, welcome to the Hipster Baseball Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. He is risen. And by he, I don't know. It may be baseball. It may be Jesus because it's opening day. It's well, it's going to be opening day weekend. Easter is right around the corner. I came across you, Dr. Pritchett, reading an article that you published a few years ago entitled, and I and I suggest everyone read this. It's called Baseball and the Religious Life, which was published a few years ago before opening day. And I was like so fascinated. I'm going to try to get this person on the podcast. <laughs> Dr. Pritchett, tell us about your interpretation of how baseball and religion and Christianity intertwine, especially on this important spring this is this important spring time. Yeah, no, that's a, uh, a great question, right? So I guess just to give some context, um, uh, my work here at Franklin and Marshall and the director of faith and meaning, which is a, another way of saying I oversee religious and spiritual life here at the college, working with college students. Um, and I've also been a lifelong baseball fan. Uh, baseball is something that has connected me to family and to friends. Uh, it's a sport that I have just deeply loved for a very long time. And I don't know when it was, but I picked up a book. I think it was at Barnes and Noble uh, by John Sexton. So he was the, the uh, former president of New York University. Um, and he wrote this book called Baseball as a Road to God. Uh, so I sat down. These are two things that I'm deeply interested in. 
baseball uh, and faith. Um, I'm also uh, in the ordination process. So I'm a candidate for holy orders in the, the central diocese of Pennsylvania in the Episcopal Church. So certainly thinking about uh, matters of religion a lot. I picked up his book and had a chance to read it, and it really helped me connect some dots in terms of uh, things that I think I had always thought about, but he wrote about it so eloquently. John Sexton, he was the, the former president of New York University. He uh, wrote this book, Baseball is a Road to God, and he teaches a course actually at NYU. Um, and I was so compelled by the book that I, I sent him an email shortly after reading it and said, hey, I would love to have you come to campus sometime and just like talk about this. Um, and he agreed and he came down from 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 New York to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and uh, had we had this great conversation and uh, he did a talk at the college. But um, so that I think was one of like the impetus that got me thinking about these connections, right? So I think one thing that I would say is, you know, baseball isn't a religion per se, or it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a religion. However, I do think there's this connection uh, to this idea of uh, the ineffable. And, and, and what I mean by that is something that, you know, a wonder that goes beyond words or even reason. And baseball for me is like a religious experience or the practice of religion creates this opportunity to connect to that part of our experience, of that experience of the ineffable. Um, I'll give one kind of short example of what I mean by that, right? Uh, if folks are listening to this podcast, I, I expect they're probably baseball fans and probably uh, if they've had the opportunity can, can think about their first experience going to a major league baseball park, right? Um, so for me, growing up, I grew up in uh, lower Delaware, uh, the kind of equally distant between the Phillies and the Baltimore Orioles. We can talk later about why I'm a Red Sox fan. I was born in Connecticut, but, uh, you know, I have th this this memory of that first time going to Camden Yards shortly after it was built. It was in the I guess this was probably just after the strike and you know, the, the experience of kind of walking through that tunnel and seeing uh, it was an afternoon game, seeing the, the the field for the first time. It's this, you know, it's, you know, people talk about having core memories, right? It's one, it's one of those core memories, but it's also this kind of ineffable experience. When I, when I think back to it, I can't really necessarily put words to it, but um, yeah, it's this experience of, of wonder. Uh, so at, at the core, I think, like a religious experience, baseball can help us connect to that part of of life. But I, I like how you combine them. And as you were talking, it made me think with these new rule changes in baseball to try to speed the game up. Yeah. And on the same side, when you have certain Christian, uh, certain Christian, certain places in Christianity, let's say like the Episcopalian or the Anglican church, where they're trying, they're, they've been cutting the time of service. Right. <laughs> to get people to, you know, again, it's, uh, that, that I, I was making that connection in my mind as you're sure. talking, where baseball is making it fast, faster so people can actually pay attention. And then yeah. in the Anglican or Episcopalian Christianity faiths, they're making the services on Sunday shorter so people can actually show up for, uh, you know, just over an hour of service and, and be right. with the Lord and all that. <laughs> 
Well, you know, so one thing I think if we're going to go along with this idea of uh, baseball and religion, right? Um, two aspects of uh, religion is this idea of sacred space and sacred time, right? So as, you know, you step into kind of a holy space, you step into a church or a cathedral, uh, you're kind of stepping out of kind of secular space into a holy space. And time is oriented a little bit differently, right? So in baseball, the thing, I guess in its purest form, there isn't a clock, right? Uh, they're, they're, baseball is one of the only sports that isn't timed, like, for example, football or basketball. Um, it has its own kind of rhythm to it and its own sense of time. Yeah, adding the pitch clock does change that a little bit i'm trying to remain open to it i understand right that it's it's changing the pace of the game and it's you know, i think it's going to have some interesting implications for the the season ahead um and i don't want to disregard it um however i am attracted to that idea when you know you're you're stepping into a, a space to watch a game um you're or you're not oriented around kind of you know uh, time in the same way uh, baseball is you know three strikes three outs um, and it keeps going until uh you can get those you know 27 outs or whatever whatever it is um it, it theoretically could kind of continue to stretch on into the horizon um as long as folks can keep hitting and scoring uh so i think there's something there too thinking about uh the way in which baseball orients itself around time um and, and space right like i don't hear many folks talking about like a bucket list item in terms of like trying to make it to every i mean i'm sure there are people who are but trying to make it to you know every nfl stadium or to make it to every arena uh you know basketball arena but i know a lot of folks and i'm biased but i know a lot of folks who you know talk about you know visiting ballparks right and how special they are um, have that goal of, of getting to everyone and experiencing every ballpark because each one is so unique um, and special. And I think is that that idea of, you know, in secular baseball terms, experiencing a sacred space. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, again, when you're talking, it makes me think just this is an audio podcast, but I'm, I'm looking at obviously you're wearing the, your Boston Red Hawk Red Sox right. hat because as right. you had mentioned earlier, you're a Red Sox fan. And when we go to a baseball game, or you can say this about sports, as fans of a team, whether they're home or away, you wear the hat, you put on right. your shirt that says whatever, you know, Braves, Padres, Red Sox, what have you. Yeah. And when you go to a religious place, whatever faith that is, you dress up, for lack of a better word, for that. Right. And it's almost, it, it's that going on on that experience. And it also, and you were saying that people do have bucket lists of like, I want to visit every single major league baseball game, or I want to make it to an all-star game. Be, I, I was thinking of, of cathedrals in Europe. There's just so many of them. <laughs> I right. don't know if anyone could go like, I want to visit every single cathedral in Portugal. Could you do that? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm of the faith of these are of the faith. I'm of the idea of some of these cathedrals, especially in Europe are just beautiful to look at. But after like half a dozen of them, <laughs> right. They all kind of look alike. Right. Yeah. For baseball stadiums. You can also say the same thing, but I think is because in terms of going to a baseball game, and of course, you know, now that the season's starting is, is an experience where I think you feel connected in a physical way because you're allowed, you're encouraged 
to yell, to scream, to interact, walk around versus in a religious space, whether it's a church, cathedral, temple, what have you, it's, it's almost like a restriction. So it's that, that connection, the way I see it is more, it is more spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I do think, I think about, again, like continuing to make some of these connections, I think about kind of the, you mentioned uh, kind of the, the physical aspects of it. And I think one aspect of kind of religious experience, particularly in Christianity, particularly in Roman Catholicism, but to a certain extent in, in, in the Anglican church as well, is those are those physical connections to your faith. So thinking about relics, for example, right? Uh, or I'll give an example. You mentioned cathedrals last May. Uh, I, I, I walked across Spain uh, to Santiago de Compostela, the cathedral there on the Camino de Santiago, uh, on a pilgrimage, on a, on a pilgrimage uh, to Santiago. This May, I'm going back, I'm bringing 10 college students from FNM, but we're going to a physical location uh, to, you know, and the, at least from a, a religious aspect, the, the pilgrimage ends at the cathedral, which is said to, to hold the remains of of Christ's apostle, St. James and the cathedral, you know, the, that pilgrimage ends in the cathedral. You're kind of going down into the crypt and right there is this relic box, which is said to hold the, the remains of, of St. James. But I think similarly, like we're like when it comes to baseball, I think, you know, to a certain extent, other sports, but um, again, I have a bias towards baseball. We, 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 we seek out those physical objects as well. So I'll give a couple examples. John Sexton, talks about and he talked about this when he came here uh someone gave him a glove his favorite baseball player of all time is, is jackie robinson someone gave gifted him a glove and said this was uh this glove was you know a, a glove that was used in a game by jackie robinson uh he didn't have any you know it, proof necessarily about that but he's also you know that was a a wonderful gift and he's choosing to believe to trust the person that gifted him that, that this is Jackie Robinson's glove. Um, similarly, right, going to, to Santiago, I don't have any scientific evidence that, that you know, that that, that, that that is the remains of St. James. However, um, it is an, an act of, of faith. Um, I, it's an act of kind of what makes it for me holy and sacred is that you're kind of walking along the same footsteps as people who have been, you know, for over a thousand years to that spot. But there's some, you know, there's a physicality, I think, that's connected there. Actually sitting right here, this baseball, I have a, I'm holding a baseball for folks who can't see me. Uh, it's, it's on my desk. I call it the Kenny Lofton ball. Uh, a buddy of mine and I were at a baseball game at Camden Yards. The Orioles were playing uh, the Cleveland Indians. Um, now the Guardians, and we were out in the outfield. I don't know how old we were, uh, probably 10 years old. Um, Kenny Lofton was out there having a catch, and he tossed the ball up uh, to, you know, into the stands. And uh, my, my, my friend and I will argue kind of what happened. He says I pushed him out of the way to catch the ball. I say I just had a longer reach, and I, I grabbed it, but I caught the ball. So, you know, there's been this kind of back and forth friendly between us. But, you know, I mean, catching a found ball at a game, catching something that's thrown into the stands, like that's a big deal, right? It's kind of a, a physical uh, item or reminder of that experience. And he got married a few years ago and I was planning on giving it to him as a wedding gift, but like I couldn't part with it. So <laughs> I kept it, but 
uh, maybe someday I'll, I'll hand it over. But yeah. Um, Anyway, <laughs> Dr. Fritchett, as a big Red Sox fan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a hard-hitting question. And okay. also as a religious man, are you going to make the pilgrimage out to Arizona to see the frozen remains of Ted Williams? <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> oh, no, I don't have any plans on that, no. Okay. All I, right, I, do hope to, I do hope to make it to Fenway at some point this season. Since yeah. I, I lived in Boston for a while, um, and since I left uh i try to get up there about once a year um, but i haven't made it to a game at fenway since uh covid restrictions and the covid shortened season i haven't got up there but hopefully this season i will um i usually try to the the red the baltimore being in lancaster pennsylvania actually baltimore is just over an hour away so it's really easy to get down there to, to right. fenway right. south the camden yards to, to see the red sox there so now that we're in the present of talking about baseball and the Red Sox, as you, um, as you haven't been able to go to a game, but what excites you about this upcoming season with, uh, with for the Boston Red Sox as a fan? Yeah, well, it can only go up after last season. <laughs> I mean, we were, you know, in the in the basement of the AL East uh, and had a lot of injuries last season. Right there's a, there's a, there's a lot of things that were disappointing, but I. I'm, ex I'm excited for a few things. I'm excited for Masataka Yoshida, especially after watching the World Baseball Classic, right? Like, I mean, we pay, I think he's being paid, you know, 90 million over five years. I could be wrong about that. And there was a lot of kind of criticism about that. And there's always, you know, talk about oh, how will players coming from Japan translate into, you know, Major League Baseball pitching. And I, I'm sure he's going to have a transition period. But like watching him in spring training and then watching him in the WBC, on you know the team that won uh, won the World Baseball Classic, and I think you know he had 13 RBIs, and what he showed there was everything that uh, folks are saying that you know he can do. Um, and then I, I had the I have a second monitor in my office, so a lot of times during spring training, I'll throw a spring training and drag it over to my second monitor, so I can I can work, but also glance at the game and. Uh, in the Red Sox last spring training game yesterday, he had this beautiful home run, has this beautiful swing. So I'm excited about him. Uh, I'm excited about the potential of a healthy Chris Sale. Uh, <laughs> we'll see, right? We're going to need to dig up some relics there, Dr. Pritchett, because my <laughs> God, the guy falls off of a bike. The guy clips his toenails too short. Uh, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's comical, but I mean, it's sad, <laughs> but it's almost comical, the injuries he's had over the past there, two, three years. There will need to be some prayer involved, I think, but... Um, I'm, ex I'm hoping, you know, if he can stay healthy, I'm excited and curious to see what can happen. You're a man and of faith. So yeah, that's why, you, <laughs> that's why you believe in Chris Sale. Well, that's the good thing about we're, you know, we're coming to opening day and, uh, opening day really is all about, about hope. Similarly, similarly to, you know, the spring rebirth, Easter resurrection, hope, right. We're all kind of in that same ballpark. Uh, and for me, Opening day is all about hope. So I have a lot of I have I'm I'm choosing hope in this case. Um, and I'm choosing to, to, to I'm hoping that the, the Red Sox will just remain healthier overall. Um they made some upgrades into the in their bullpen, which I'm excited about. I'm worried about the starting pitching, but and you know, they're playing in the AL East, so that's that's difficult. But um we also have the expanded playoff uh you know, expanded postseason. So any, I think anything can happen. 
I, I guess at a minimum, I'm hoping they'll have a winning record this year. Yeah, but the, we'll see. That division, that American League East division, is going to be again. It's either I think in both the American League East and the National League East are are probably the top two divisions. I mean, it is brutal. And now with I know like I'm from what I'm gathering, you're you might be like a shadow Orioles fan as well, or at least they have a special place in your heart. They Those, do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those baby birds are, <laughs> they are going to be so much fun to yeah. watch this year. Yeah. And yeah, of course, the Rays are always doing, I don't know, miracles with the, the lack of money <laughs> they spend. And obviously the Yankees, they spend, they're not the big spenders that they used to be, but it just gets, it gets so tough. And obviously talking about the Blue Jays, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I feel like someone was asking me, you know, to make a, I have a, a group of guys. There's four of us who we've known each other since we were three years old and we're all big baseball fans. You know, we're kind of all spread out now, but we're, we have a group chat going and most of what we talk about is baseball. And I think we were making predictions for the upcoming season in terms of who might be in the world series. And like, I mean, obviously the Astros are are phenomenal, but you know, I think the blue Jays, like it could, it could be their year this year. They're good. Uh, they look really good. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. It certainly wouldn't surprise me. Absolutely not. I'm glad that you mentioned the World Baseball Classic and then you watched it. And also, obviously, Team Japan or Samurai Japan won the World Baseball Classic with Masataka yeah. Yoshida played. I, Dr. Bridget, I highly recommend that you yourself, you take students to the next World Baseball Classic in 2026. <laughs> I went to two games in the in the, in Pool D in Miami. Okay. It was like I've never been in an atmosphere like that. Yeah. It was unbelievable. And yeah. it was very much the physical connection because you couldn't hear. And it right. wasn't because when we go to Major League Baseball games, it's I almost feel like the stadiums are like trying to push you to do things like like they're trying to artificially make it. And then right. in these World Baseball Classic games, and I'm sure that when you saw in I think it's Pool A out of Tokyo, mm -hmm. it's coming from the fans. And it's this physical connection with the stadium, with the players, with each other. It was, I went on the second game that I went to, I went with friends who aren't even baseball fans. They just wanted to go because like, ah, oh, well, you know, it's a big thing in town. So yeah. we'll go. Yeah. And they were like, this is fun. And as a baseball <laughs> fan, I'm like, man, if only we could do something like this, because the reality is that momentum from the world baseball classic I don't know how it's going to translate into having long-term Major League Baseball fans because the experience is just so drastically different. I don't think the owners and sure. the stadium operators are going to, to be like, here, we'll, we'll take it upon you, 30, 40,000 people to show up to bring that atmosphere. But anyway, I, I, any opportunity that I have talking about the World, World Baseball Classic, I, I try to take it. Well, and my hope is that it continues to like become a, you know, continues to grow, continues to get bigger. Um but I, I, I appreciate that recommendation. So I'm going to have to make a note for, I think, what, 2026, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I wanted to I wanted to squeeze in a surprise question here before we go okay. to some of my favorite <laughs> questions. And uh, we're going to go way back. Not not all the way, not to the, uh, you know, 12. This is not 12th century England. But <laughs> what happened to muscular Christianity in America? So ask that question in a different way. So I, I want to make sure I understand kind of in the sense of now we in all athletes, not all athletes, excuse me, but a lot of times you see games and we see players who are religious. Most of them obviously were in the US, so a lot they're Christian, yeah. they cross themselves, they they they, sure. say that they connect with God or if they're Muslim, they yeah. do their prayers, what have you. Yeah. 
but yet they it's you know the muscular muscular christianity of the 19th century of being religious and celebrating your physical feats like taking care of both the spirit the connection with the lord as well as your body yeah because i feel like now it's you do one or the other you're mm-hmm. either in really good shape you're an athlete or even if you're an athlete if you, you run you do iron mans or whatever or mm-hmm. you're a religious person you go to your services once twice a, a week you have your your, your volunteering your, your tithing etc cetera, etc cetera. but mm-hmm. i don't even know if these athletes um it, again it was just a point of conversation is yeah. of it's that celebrated or even encouraged to be like look i am both religious and also taking care of the, the physical part of mm. because when i've always i remember that i was in westminster in 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 london about 10 years ago and i and i overheard this 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 announcement and it was like i'm paraphrasing the, the lady was said we are blessed when we are able to see moments of wonder acts of wonder and so mm-hmm. if, for example, we see a Mookie Betts do something incredible, mm-hmm. we see LeBron James do something incredible. It's not that the, that the almighty, whatever it is, just bless that person. Or we right. see an amazing performance by your favorite musical artist. We ourselves are blessed yeah. because we're allowed to view well, what they do. It's taking us to that, 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 again, that word ineffable, right? That experience of wonder that we can't quite put words to. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't know if I have a good answer to your uh, original question, but I think one thing I, I will say is uh, I'll, I'll speak, you know, specifically to, to Christianity, but Christianity is an incarnational religion. Right. So what I mean by that is uh, we believe if you're a Christian that, that God took the form of man in the person of Jesus Christ. Right. That Jesus is both fully divine and fully human. But in some ways, uh, by by coming as a person, as a man in the flesh, it uh, is a reminder that like uh, our our bodies are 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 good things and holy things and sacred things um, that you know that we shouldn't that we should take care of and that um, we should recognize you know again as a from a Christian perspective. Uh, are are sacred and holy in the eyes of God because God was man. God was a person um, and experienced life as a human. So for me, it, it, you know, again, this isn't directly answering your question, but I do think there's a link between kind of the spiritual and the physical, particularly Christianity, uh, because it is an incarnational religion. And so I always try to remember remember that. As yeah, I think about even you know myself and and how I treat others, right? Because be, you know, because again, God became man in the flesh, and if there is something sacred and holy about our personhood or personhood in general, uh, we need to we need to respect and care and love and take care of one another. So it's a bit of a tangent, but right. I do think there is some connection there. Dr. Pritchard, that was a good at bat after I threw you that curveball. <laughs> Thank you. Go, go, coming back down to earth, we yeah. these are some of my favorite questions. Is we're gonna frock you now as the newly ordained 
commissioner of Major League Baseball. Give, <laughs> share with us one or two things that you would like to change in the game, whatever you want to make the yeah. game a better or more enjoyable. What happened? You know, at first, when like all these, you know, I, I really think this upcoming season of baseball is really going to be a, a transformational moment in terms of the, the, the degree to which some of these these rules are, are being integrated in like the the clock right so at some point especially when they were first kind of rolling these out maybe i would have said like no we're gonna like we have to get rid of this like it, it it's destroying the, the purity of the game as a for me as something that's you know outside of kind of like i was talking about earlier outside of time that has its own kind of pace and rhythm to it but i'm I've, i'm stepping away from that because you know I, I, I want to be open-minded and I want to see how, uh, how it might, you know, I, I just want to wait and see how it changes the game. Uh, but I think this isn't so much about the, the rules or the game itself, but I do think about, you know, what role major league baseball has to play and what role a commissioner could play in kind of thinking about the future of the game, thinking about the pipelines that, that uh, create um, interest at a young age and, and create ways for folks to experience and play baseball. Um, I think much like other sports, right? But like, I think it's the case with, with baseball too, at a young age in order to like, there's this push to, uh, you know, find these travel ball leagues that are really expensive and the, the, these pipelines are becoming really narrow. Um, and I think certain people are then excluded or they're seeing, you know, sports like football, uh, basketball, sports that aren't baseball, essentially. I mean, we're, we're just not, uh, you know, I'm, I don't have a, a specific solution. However, I do think there should be a focus and emphasis on, on growing the game, uh, starting, you know, thinking about how folks from, you know, across the board are finding ways into the game and the opportunity to play and to learn and to grow and to open up avenues for folks to experience, um, not just playing the game, but experiencing the game. So I think that might be one of my broader, it would be a, a broader emphasis. Again, that, that, that's not a specific policy, but I like it. Philosophically, something I'd be thinking about. It's a very, and I mean this in a good way, it's a very theological, academic way to look at it because <laughs> you're not just saying, like, let's go forward and that, like, now the players are going to have to run clockwise as opposed to counterclockwise around the block, <laughs> right. you know, or whatever. It's more of like questioning the basic assumptions of what we do. And, uh, I like I like I like where you're coming from as the new as a new commissioner where as long as this podcast lasts you you are the new commissioner. <laughs> I, I I was reading this book by I, I maybe I'll get his name wrong and I apologize Tyler Kepler uh he wrote a book about the World Series and he was writing about how uh in previous generations the World Series really was this event that you know everyone tuned into. Um, it might've been the, the book, the boys of summer that talks about, you know, walking down the street and through kind of every open window, you're hearing baseball being played. It's just really the sound of summer. Right. Um, whereas that is certainly not the case anymore. Um, but I think, I think baseball has a lot to offer. And I think 
the even you know someone like the commissioner could could think creatively about ways in which the game is being uh, taken to new heights or it's growing you, in new ways. You even though I'm an imaginary baseball owner, you have my vote to be a, a, major league, <laughs> a new major league baseball commissioner. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, before we wrap up, I always want to, I always like asking our guests about that a lo more local connection of having a drink or having coffee or a good place to eat where you, you, you like wh whatever it is. And you, and if you can share some place like that, that you like to frequent in the Lancaster, Pennsylvania area, or even in the uh, Delaware, um, in the uh, Newark, Delaware area, since you spent a lot of your academic career down there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a good question. Uh, there's a place called the Horse Inn in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, that has uh, great beer. It has a great like cocktail menu, whiskey menu. It has and it has really good kind of kind of like upscale pub food. Um, that's a great place to eat. There's another place in Lidditz, Pennsylvania, which is a little north from here, called the Bull's Head. That's kind of a it's kind of a traditional English pub, but again has a really great beer menu um, and just good pub food. Uh, so those are two I would name. There's a place down the street from FNM called Mean Cup. That's where I usually get coffee uh, that I would highly recommend. So those are the ones that come to mind immediately. I, I like I like the theme here: gastro pubs, beer. <laughs> uh, I love having a beer while recording this, but um, I like those I like those recommendations. Yeah. And I'm gonna my last curveball to you. Let me see if I can get this past you. Is how many times have you been mistaken for the character from the TV series Modern Family? Because of your name, the <laughs> right, son of right. Jay and Gloria Pritchett. Um, you know what? I wasn't. I, so I have watched a lot of the show, but at one point I had it and like people kept mentioning, you have to say, you know, mentioning that, you know, we had a, a shared name. Um, so I had to, to be back. fair. I want to let everyone know Dr. Pritchett does not look five years old. <laughs> He has a beard. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm yeah. just teasing. Yeah, no, it's okay. But no, it's a, uh, I, I have, you know, at least people make the, the name connection anyway, because Pritchett isn't a, a super common last right. name. So, um, right. Yeah. So, Dr. Pritchett, I want to thank you for having this enjoyable conversation with me. I want to remind everyone that he is the director of Faith and Meaning at Franklin and Marshall College. Dr. Pritchett, if you want to take us away and let people know where they can read maybe some of your publications or where they can find you on uh, for your for the university or the college, excuse me, or social media. Yeah, I think probably the maybe the easiest way to connect would be through social media. I love uh, using Twitter, despite some of the kind of issues it's having right now. I think my, my, my Twitter handle is J E P R I T C H. I'm usually tweeting about, uh, baseball or religion, sometimes rugby. I played rugby in college. So there's some rugby content there too, but that's an easy way and a fun way I, I find to connect with folks. So I'll share that. I want to thank Dr. Pritchard for joining us this week. And I'm also thanking some new listeners from, frankly, it's all over the place. So you have to be a little patient with me. San Juan, Puerto Rico, Margate, Florida, Madrid, Spain, La Mesa, California, Harari, Zimbabwe, Gordo, Gordo, maybe Alabama. I have no idea. Brisbane, maybe California. Atascadero, California. Hasta. Atascade, I don't know, somewhere in California, <laughs> Queen Creek, Arizona, Shoulder Shrug, I don't know, Paintsville, maybe Kentucky, Appleton, maybe Wisconsin, Altamonte Springs, maybe Florida, 
Havana, Cuba, Kitsaraksa, Hungary. I can't, again, I'm terrible with Balkan and Eastern European languages. Kitsarsha, Hungary. Very cool. Someone in Hungary has actually listened to this. And finally, Council Bluffs, Iowa. Thank you all our loyal listeners. Thank you new listeners. Thank you for being patient with me. I know I've been gone for a little while. I'm back. We're going to be going every single week from now until the end of the season. Let's get together next week for a brand new episode of HPP, Hipster Baseball Podcast. Bye.